0: One of these days we're gonna fly on out of here, amen. I don't know about you, but I ain't planning on sticking around. Uh, Whenever uh, the Lord sees fit, whenever that day is, and my heart beats its last beat, and I take my last breath, I'm, I'm getting on out of here. As uh, one of the old evangelists said a long time ago, "I'm heaven bound with the hammer down," amen. And that's where I'm going. And so, uh, looking forward to that day. Uh, Not saying I'm ready to go right this second, but you know, the Lord knows. Uh, but anyhow, I am excited about heaven, and um, we can't even imagine what heaven's about. You know that. Uh, yesterday, uh, I meant to, I should have I meant to mention this in the prayer request, but I didn't. But uh, just remember this, if you would. Uh, my pastor passed away yesterday, uh, and uh, he had uh, diabetes uh, all his, you know. Well, I guess since he was a teenager, but um, he was my pastor for seventeen years, and he was the one that. Uh, really, you know, kind of showed me the ropes and really, I mean, everything, really married my wife and I, and, and um, I was the assistant pastor, you know, at Westside, and I was the, also the youth pastor there as well, and uh, i tell you what, he, he really uh, was a blessing to our family, and helped me when I was in Bible college and all that, and um, I didn't even know that he was, I mean, I knew he had his uh, left leg amputated uh, just Maybe a couple of years ago. Uh, but I didn't know that he was really, really sick or anything. But um, but he passed away yesterday about lunchtime. I think around noon, they said. So they're going to do the funeral on Friday. If you would, just pray for his wife. Her name's Frances. Uh, his name was Pastor Glenn Sanford. And uh, he pastored for many, many, many years. And so a uh, real faithful servant of God. Uh, at one time, he had the largest Sunday school in North Carolina. Uh, and so I tell you what, it was—he uh, was a good man. And um, so just pray for him, if you would. His wife's name is Francis Sanford. Uh, his his son's name is Brian—not uh, me, but his son's name is Brian. And um, got several kids. But just pray for them, if you would. I know he's in heaven, shouting, and uh, all that stuff that he preached on, and uh, all them times he preached on heaven, and uh, all the people he was looking forward to meeting one of these days in heaven. He is. He's now there with them, and so I'm thankful for that. Uh, aren't you glad that uh, when you're saved, you know you ain't got to worry about your salvation. You know without a shadow of doubt you saved. Uh, we ain't perfect by no means, but I tell you what, I'm glad I don't have to hang on to my own salvation. I'm glad that that's safely kept in the hands of Jesus, amen? Uh, and so praise the Lord for that. Well, let's get into the message tonight, Colossians chapter 1. And we're going to begin there in verse 14 here in just a couple of moments, but... Just to kind of go back a little bit about what we was talking about last week, and as we begin Colossians chapter one, and we went from verses really to one to thirteen, we saw how the Apostle Paul he always opens up when he writes an epistle. He always opens up with uh, a great salutation. He always opens up with words of encouragement. He always opens up, you know, on a high note. Uh, And then after he does that, you know he he gets in he gets in into business, and he does that on every epistle that he writes. Uh, and so we see that he pretty much does the same thing here. And he tells them how the Colossians, how thankful he is for them, how much he loves them and how he's praying for them. And uh, he, he thanks them for their, uh, their service to God. And in verse 7, he begins to talk about a man named Epaphras, uh, who is their pastor, who is down there leading them and helping them. And notice in verse 7, he calls him a fellow servant, calls him a faithful minister of Christ. And what's happened is, is as Epaphras is down there teaching, of course, the Apostle Paul laid the groundwork. They got the church started. Epaphras became the pastor, uh, evangelist down there. And, uh, of course, he gets reports back, you know, on what's going on and how everything's happening. And what's happened is, is, of course, in like fashion, as we went through the other books, uh, we've seen that uh, folks have come in and they have uh, uh, began to spread some false doctrine and things like that. And so it got the Colossians kind of shook up a little bit. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, Listen, guys, uh, uh, your pastor down there, your pastor evangelist slash missionary, he was a lot of things, uh, but he says, You know what, your pastor down there, Epaphras, he is a fellow servant, he's a faithful minister, and you've learned a lot from him, and he's told you the truth. The very, part of verse, the very first part of verse 7, he says, As ye also learned of Epaphras. And so we see that he says, You've learned a lot from Epaphras. He has told you the truth, and what has he told you? Uh, There in verse 8, he says he has declared in the Spirit, capital S there, talking about the Holy Spirit of God. He has declared in the Spirit, there in verse 9, that whenever we're walking with God and we stick to the truth of the knowledge of Christ, uh, and we stay with what we know is right, uh, he says what happens is, is there in verse 9, you become filled with the knowledge of His will. In all wisdom, and so when you're walking with God, you save, and you're walking with the Lord. He says you become filled with wisdom and spiritual understanding. And of course, this is a a, a constant thing. You know, we're growing by the grace and knowledge of God. This is a, your salvation is a, a one time thing, but we're continually growing in the grace and knowledge of God. Uh, and He says we're growing wisdom and spiritual understanding. And what happens is, is whenever we're walking with God. Uh, there in verse 10 he says that we that we need to walk worthy of the Lord and to all pleasing uh, that we forsake the world that we really forget about the world system because the worlds the world isn't doing anything for us the world's not offering anything to us now the Lord Jesus is the only one that is offering anything uh, to to the to the world that's ever going to uh, to to benefit them in, in eternity, uh, and so he says there in verse ten, he says, "Walk worthy of the Lord." You know, how are we going to walk worthy of God? Well, the first thing you got to do is you got to get saved. Listen, you can't walk worthy of God unless you're saved. So you have to be saved. You have to know Jesus as your personal Savior, not just know about God and not just know the name of Jesus. I'm talking about having a personal a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and so you can't walk worthy of God unless you have the Lord Jesus living inside of you because you're going to have to have the Holy Spirit of God that's going to help you to do so. Uh, because there in verse 8, we see that He declared, uh, who declared unto us your love in the Spirit. And in verse 9, He says, be f- and you'll be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And listen, the only way you're going to have spiritual understanding is if you're saved. If a man or a man or a woman or anybody that doesn't know Jesus as their personal savior is not going to have spiritual understanding of the word of God. Why? Because the Bible tells us that, uh, that the God of this age, the little g, talking about the devil, the God of this age has blinded the hearts and minds of men lest they know not the, uh, see the light of the glorious gospel. And also the Bible says that they are spiritually discerned. And the reason why that is is because they don't have the Holy Spirit of God that lives and dwells within them to teach them and to show them. And so the only way to walk worthy of God is to get saved. And that is to trust Christ as your personal Savior. And then what happens is when you do that and you forsake the world and you cling to Christ... Notice what happens, he says. You begin to become fruitful in your life, and, uh, and 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 unto every good work, and you're increasing in the knowledge of God. There in verse eleven, you receive strength according to His glorious power, not your own, but according to His power. And you're also, uh, he says, and you do this unto patience and long suffering with joy, filled with joy, a thanksgiving spirit. And notice what happens in verse twelve. The Bible says that, uh, that, that he made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. Uh, and so in other words, he's saying, listen, you weren't qualified to get to heaven on your own. And the only way that you can get there is for the Lord Jesus to make it possible for you to get there. That's what make, uh, makes us uh, meet means. It means that you were disqualified from getting to heaven. Well, if I'm disqualified from getting to heaven, then who's, then who's going to get to heaven? I mean, who can go to heaven? Uh, nobody can go by their own means. Nobody can go by their own merit. Uh, and because we were all disqualified. Why is that? Because the Bible says we've all fallen short of the glory of God, that every man has gone his own way. Uh, and so all of us uh, here tonight, the whole world, in fact, has, uh, has sinned against God. And so what we have to do is, is we have to get saved. Trust Christ as our personal Savior. Uh, And so it is the Lord Jesus who has qualified us to get to heaven. And how did he do that? He died there on the cross. There in verse 12, he made us meet to be what? Partakers of the inheritance. What's the inheritance? That's heaven. And that's your treasures. It's laid up in heaven. And so the Lord Jesus made it possible for you to go to heaven. He forgave you of all your sins when you got saved and gave you a home in heaven when you got saved. Your name was written down in the Lamb's book of life. And All the folks in heaven saw that name getting, uh, get, uh, get wrote down. You know, the Bible says uh, that uh, shows us uh, in the Scriptures, you know, see, we don't, we don't know everything that the, that the people in heaven know and see. Uh, I, 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 not the sinful things, but we do know the glory. So, uh, at least one thing that they do know of. One thing that we do know of that they know is when somebody gets saved. Because the Bible says, uh, shows us in the Scripture that whenever uh, somebody gets saved, that there is rejoicing and the presence of the angels of one sinner that comes to repentance. So when somebody gets saved, the Lord Jesus looks over there and says, Write his name down, write her name down, and all of heaven just rejoices. Man, praise God for that. That come out of the mouth of the Lord Jesus. Uh, And so he gave us that inheritance. Uh, that we're looking forward to, verse 13. And the Bible says that He has delivered us from the power of darkness. Now, what is that? Darkness, talking about Satan, talking about uh, His fallen angels and His demons and all these things. He has delivered us from the power of darkness, from the power of sin, uh, and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. In other words, He says, when you got saved, the Holy Spirit of God came and lived and dwelt inside of you, and He qualified you to get to heaven, and He uh, uh, changed your citizenship from earth Earth to heaven, he is now translated. He transferred, that's what translated means, he transferred your citizenship from here now into heaven. And so now in heaven, your name uh, is written down in the Lamb's book of life. And not only that, but the Bible says in the book of John, the Lord Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Uh, Book of First Peter says that we have an inheritance there that is uh, that is reserved in heaven for us. So when He wrote your name down in heaven, God also gave you a title deed to a plot of land somewhere up there, uh, and He's got a place for you to live. Praise the Lord for that, Amen. Uh, and so isn't that good? Uh, and so we see that He delivers us from the power of darkness. He completely transforms and changes our life. And I tell you what, what a great hope it is for folks out there who are desiring to change their life. Listen, how many have ever wanted your life to change? I mean, how many have ever wanted your life to be different? You wanted your life to be better? I mean, all of us at some point. I mean, listen, even as Christians, sometimes we get in this slump, we get in this rut, it's just day in and day out. And we say, you know what, something's just got to change. And so we have to get out of this rut and we have to get up, you know, get ourselves up. Uh, Listen, uh, sometimes we get in a rut and uh, we, may not t- we may not get out for a while. Uh, so uh, I remember one time uh, I heard a, a story where a pastor was preaching, and he said, you know, uh, he, he said, I saw somebody that the, was uh, going down the uh, road in a wagon. And when they got down there, they, uh, they was in their wagon. They was going down this dirt road, and they saw a sign that says, Watch out for this rut because you won't get out for another 10 miles. Uh, I tell you what, isn't that true? Sometimes we get in this rut, and we'll just stay in. You know what it's like when you try to get out of a rut? You ever run off the shoulder of the road, and know what that feels like? I tell you what, when you get in a rut, sometimes it's it'll get a little hard to get out of. And so the Bible shows us here, listen, he's delivered us from the power of darkness. He has changed people's lives. He's willing to change your life. He's willing to change anybody's life because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So no matter who we are, no matter where we're from, no matter matter what we've done, the Lord Jesus is ready to save. He's ready to forgive. He's ready to write your name down in heaven if you will only but accept him. And so... He has delivered us from the power of Darkness, talking about all the different sins. I mean, all the things that went over on that, that we went over on Sunday when all those folks was when those kids was walking around and and talking about the Christian race of life. Listen, uh, there, there's a lot of folks that are, that are going through that even this very moment. But I tell you what, what great hope that we have tonight in knowing that no matter what we face, and no matter what is on our life, that there is a God in heaven that has the power to deliver us from that. But understand, if you're saved, that power is inside of you. It's inside of you. You just got to tap into it. And you say, how was that? Just sit around and do yoga or something like that? No. I'm not talking about some kind of self thing. I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about turning over a new leaf. I'm talking about getting in touch with God, okay? I'm talking about getting in touch with the Lord Jesus. I'm talking about, you ever spent some time with God and, and, and it was almost like, uh, almost like he just. it almost seemed like he just came down from heaven and just gave you a hug and said, hey, I just want you to know I'm here. I just want you to know that I hear your prayer. I want you to know I see you tired and I see you weary. I want you to know that I I, I feel your pain. I, I see your pain. I I, I can feel your hurt and. I just want you to know I'm here, and he just reaches down from heaven, grabs a hold of you, just gives you the best bear hug, and that peace that passes all understanding just flows over you, and you just and you just you just look up into heaven with tears on your face and about shout for joy, run around the house. Everybody look at you like you've lost your mind. I'm telling you, Lord God's good. He says He's delivered us from the power of darkness, translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. There in verse 14, notice he says, in whom we have redemption. Who's the whom? That's the Lord Jesus. In whom, because that's what we're talking about. He says, in whom we have redemption. What does it mean to be redeemed? It means to be bought back. It means to be paid for. It means to be bought back. That's why the Bible says in 1 Peter uh, that uh, that we were not bought with the blood of bulls and goats, but were bought with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we are not ourselves. That we're, we're not our own. You know, I know we like the idea of thinking that I belong to me and I rule my life. Well, listen, I don't want to run my life. I don't want to rule my life. I want the Lord Jesus to do that because he can rule it a whole lot better than I can. Now, I know we don't like the idea of not being in control, but I tell you what, if you'll let God be in control, you'll find things go a little smoother. Now, I didn't say I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel. Now, I didn't say that if you're a Christian, everything's always going to be great all the time and you're not ever going to have a hard time. I didn't say that the, uh, the refrigerator ain't going to break sometimes. Listen, I tell you what. It's been a, it's been last uh, last little uh, I guess about the last month or so. It's been a, it's been an ordeal. Uh, my lawnmower broke down, so I'm, t- I'm still trying to get that fixed. I ain't we ain't got that yet? My refrigerator messed up, and I got to get re- I had to buy another refrigerator because they couldn't come and fix it. Uh, so I got one. Uh, I got one in my, my 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 kitchen. I got a little small one. I mean, just like a, a one about this big that's sitting on my counter that I tried to shove as much in there as I could because my refrigerator quit working. And it's just a little bitty one. The one I got in my kitchen is not even working right. It's cooling, but it freezes up everything. And so then I got a freezer in the basement that is just a freezer. So it'll freeze everything you put in it. And then I got the new one that I bought. So I got four refrigerators in my house. What in the world? When I get mine fixed, if anybody needs one, let me know. So my lawnmower breaks. I tell you what, my, uh, my refrigerator is crazy. And then I got to get new tires. I mean, my tires, my tires are bad on my truck. I got to get new tires. And that was something else. But the Lord's not going to remind me of it tonight because he's saying, thinking about the good things. All the, they, hey, I just praise the Lord. I just praise the Lord that no matter what, uh, no matter what comes in our life, that God knows how to provide. Amen. Listen, sometimes these things happen. Sometimes we go through things like this. Just because you're safe don't mean everything's always going to be uh, uh, rainbows and sunshine. But I can tell you this. I can tell you this, that when we are saved, that when we are saved and we do go through difficult times, and when the power of darkness comes upon our life and tries to, uh, and tries to mess, uh, mess our life up, man, what, what, a, uh, what a great blessing it is to know that we have the power of the Lord Jesus inside of us. The Bible says in whom we have redemption means we've been bought back. We've been paid for by the blood of the Lord Jesus. I think a good example of that as you see Hosea's wife, um, there in the book of Hosea, and, uh, we see that Hosea's wife, she was, uh, she was being sold, really, as a sex slave. And the Bible said that she was, uh, uh, she was out there, and she was on the auction block. She was being sold as a sex slave. And the Bible says that Hosea, he went up to her and uh, went to the guy, and, and, he, and he bought her, he bought her. For next to nothing. You know why? Because when the world was done with her, they didn't see her as nothing. They didn't value her as anything. But Hosea said, you know what? I love her. She belongs to me. What's the whole picture? The whole picture is this. Is that, listen, all of us are sinners. And even though all of us are sinners, the world has us bound. The world has us chained. And, and so what did the Lord Jesus do? Because He loved us so much, the Bible says that the Lord, He came down and He died on the cross to set us free. And He that is, he that is free is free indeed. And so we see that Hosea was there and he went down there and he bought his wife off from the auction block there, freed her from those shackles and chains that she was put into and he took her home and the whole idea is this, is that even though the world doesn't think nothing about you even though the world will treat you evil and wicked and even though the world and the devil wants to keep you bound in sin and doesn't want to offer any help at all, doesn't want to do nothing but look down upon your life and see you as garbage and nothing else, there is one who cares about you. And there is one who loves you. And that is the Lord Jesus. And how did he buy us back? He bought us back with his blood. And that's what he shows us there in verse 14. In whom we have redemption. Through his what? Through his blood. The Bible shows us that he bought us back. Through his blood. He bought us back. Why did he have to buy us back? Because we were sinners and there was no way for us to get to heaven. That's why he qualified us to get there. He had to buy us back. He had to buy us back. And the Bible said he'd done that through his blood. He didn't say he'd done that through his blood and baptism. He didn't say he'd done it through his blood and church membership. He didn't say he'd done it through his blood and good deeds. He said he'd done it through his blood, right? And so that means to get to heaven, what do we need? We need to be covered in the blood of Jesus, amen? That's what it takes. So to get to heaven, we trust Christ as our personal Savior. We put all of our faith and trust in what He did for us on the cross. And that is our ticket to heaven. And with that comes freedom from the power of darkness. And our membership from earth to heaven is then transferred. And He says there in verse 14, That in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. I tell you what, praise God for that. Aren't you glad tonight that if you save, saved, you don't have any sins to answer for? I'll tell you what. You say, preacher, you ain't got no sins to answer for. Listen, when I got saved, listen to this now. When I got saved, the Lord Jesus forgave me of all of my sin. That means, see, Jesus died before I was born. So that means, and I think he died before you were born. And so that means, and so, I don't know if he died before Mackey was born. No, I'm not. Just, just kid. But he died before all of us were born. The whole idea is this. that Listen, when the Lord Jesus died for us, all of our sins were already in the future, right? So when he died for us, he died for all of our sins. All of them. Now, you saying, preacher, you don't have to ask forgiveness no more? No, I'm not saying that. I ask forgiveness to stay in fellowship, but not so I can get saved again. Does that make sense? Yeah, I ask forgiveness so that I can stay in fellowship, not to get saved again. But when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says the handwriting of ordinances that was written against us, they were put on the cross. Everything that could ever be said and everything that could ever be brought up against us was put on the cross. So when Jesus died, he died for the sins of all time, all of our sins. But every day I sin, and so I say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me. But I say, please forgive me so that I can make sure I'm staying in fellowship. You ever, you ever uh, been at odds with somebody before? Maybe just kind of something was between you. You know, it never did get settled until you come together and you said, okay, somebody apologized or somebody said they were sorry or however it is that you worked it out. You worked it out, and after that, everything was fine. It was kind of like this. You know, the Bible says that whenever we come to God, when we're in sin, the Bible says there's this dark cloud in essence that is, that is between us and Him. But whenever we get saved... And we ask for forgiveness. The Bible says that all of our sins are cast into the deepest sea, that they are cast as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered ever again. And there's a North Pole and a South Pole, but there's not an East Pole and a West Pole. That means it just keeps going and going and going and going and going. All of our sins are forgiven, and so the Bible says that we have redemption in through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And so all of our sins are forgiven. So when we get to heaven... If I don't have to answer for sin, what do I got to answer for? Well, I got to answer for my motives. The Bible says I'll be judged in my body for the things I've done, whether good or bad. Now, when he says bad, he's now talking about sins because if that was sins, that would mean Jesus had have to die again. And Jesus only died one time, right? Isn't that what the book of Hebrews says? He died once for all? That's right. He died one time. Uh, and so the Bible tells us, you know, that uh, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 14, that for by one offering he perfected forever them that are sanctified. He's only going to die one time. He shed his blood one time. He's not going to die again. So in order for my sins to be forgiven again, he'd have to die again. And so it's not going to happen. But we do see that when we get to heaven, we answer for the things that's done in our body. What is that? Our motives. Listen, there's nobody else that knows the motive of your heart except for you and God. Right? Yeah, nobody knows your motive except for you and God. Uh, So... Uh, I don't have to answer for my sins, but I do have to answer for my motives, the things that I've done in my body that were not for God, not with God. Uh, Even the things I've done in my body that were uh, against, maybe, perhaps the cause of Christ. Uh, But not the sin of it, but the answering of it. So there in verse 14, he says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And who is this Jesus? No, we get to verse 15. Who is this Jesus? The Bible says, Who is the image of God? who is the image of the invisible God. That's who Jesus is. Jesus was the image of the invisible God. What did Jesus say? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen who? You've seen the Father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because who was Jesus? Jesus was God. You say, well, I thought he was a man. He was. He was the God-man. He was uh, fully man and fully God at the same time. He was, uh, he was uh, the, the virgin-born Son of God. Who is God? What does John tell us? The Bible says uh, that the Lord Jesus said uh, that He was in the beginning with God. Amen? That He is God, was in the beginning with God. And all things are created by Him and for Him. Without Him, not anything was made that was made. Uh, and so we see there that He is the image of the invisible God. Jesus said, if you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. Him and I are one. And so He also says that He's the firstborn of Every creature. So what does that mean? firstborn of every creature? does that mean he was a, uh, that he was does that mean that he was created on the one? Does, no, I don't mean he was created, uh, but I do think uh, what we see here is it shows us now you go back and you look at um, uh, biblical times. in the biblical times, the firstborn was the one that um, was, became the patriarch of the family. Not only that, but the firstborn was the one who also got a double portion of the inheritance. He was the patriarch of the family, and he got a double portion of the inheritance before anybody else did. He, was, you know, he led everything. He was the one that everybody looked at. And so what does the Bible say? When the Bible says that he is the, the firstborn of every creature, the whole idea is for the people to get this, to get this understanding. Not that Jesus was created, that my dear Jehovah's Witness friends would say. Uh, not that Jesus was created, but the fact that uh, that Jesus is ahead and was before everything, because everything was created. By him and for him. Does that make sense? And because everything was created by him and for him, everybody looks to him because Jesus is the patriarch. He is God. He is the one that sits on the throne. No one else is able to do so. He is the firstborn of every creature. But listen, not only that, not only that, but he's the first one also to receive his glorified body uh, when resurrected from the dead. Now he raised other people from the dead, but do you know those people that he raised from the dead? They still had to die again. Do you know that the people that he raised from the grave still had to die again? If not, Lazarus would still be walking around. Or and that didn't happen. So uh, those people had to die again. But the Lord Jesus, when he was raised from the dead, what happened? The Bible says after he was raised from the dead, the Bible says that the the graves opened up, and people came out of the graves and walked into the city. Now, what a sight. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what that sight was? You know, you, the, the Bible says, Lord Jesus, when, when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible shows up a whole bunch of different events that took place, and one of those things that happened was graves opened up. And, after, and three days after those graves opened up, when Jesus rose again from the grave, when that took place, the Bible says that all those, other, when the, the, all those other people that were in those graves, they rose up. But they didn't go to heaven. They didn't receive glorified bodies. They just got out of the grave. Now how the Lord changed all that stuff and what all happened, I don't know. I didn't see it. But the Bible says that those people came out of the graves and they walked into the city and appeared to many. Wasn't out of sight. Can you imagine? So he is the firstborn There. And so we see that Jesus is the patriarch. Everybody looks to Him. He is above all. And so that's what we're talking about there in verse 15. What, what the Apostle Paul is trying to get the people to see is he's trying to get the people to see that, listen, Jesus is number one. He's the one that you need to be looking to. He's the one that's going to save you. He's the one that's going to qualify you. He's the one that's going to change your life. He's the one that's going to forgive you. He's the one that's going to sacrifice himself for you. He's the one that's going to shed His blood for not anybody else but, but the Lord Jesus is going to do that and so he is above everything in the beginning was God and the Lord Jesus was there and so he created all that there is and the Bible says in verse 16 for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth visible and invisible talking about um, uh, spiritualities there. visible and invisible, notice he breaks it down again, whether they be thrones, now we're talking in the spiritual realm now, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And so the Apostle Paul says, listen, the Lord Jesus created everything that, everything that there is. He created the mountains, He created the seas, He created the deer, He created the, uh, the fish, He created all that there is, the birds. Uh, he created everything. The Bible says not only did the Lord create the things that you can see, but He also created things that you don't see. Things that you don't see. We're talking about the spiritual world. Now, I'm not talking about ghosts walking around your living room. Not because there ain't no such thing as ghosts, but there are uh, spirits, angels and demons. There ain't no ghosts walking around. But there are angels and demons, and the Bible shows us here that one of the things that we see is the Bible says the Lord Jesus is over all things, visible and invisible. The things that you see and the things that you don't see. There's a lot of things that's going on around us right now that we don't see. I mean, there are angels and demons all over the place. We just don't see it. Sometimes you can feel the presence of something when something's not right. You ever went somewhere, and you got there, and you said, hmm, something don't seem right here. Sometimes you can go, you can go somewhere, and it's almost like while you're there, it's almost like you can just sense a demonic presence. While at the same time, you can go in some places and be in some places or be around some people. And i tell you what it seems like. It just seems like God's just all over them. Like, it's just like, man, God's just got his hand on them, and man, it's such a blessing. I tell you what, I've been to some places where it's been, it's been pretty rough. I've had people come in. I've had people say, Pastor, would you come down to the house and bless the house? And I say, sure. And I walk down there, and I go in there, and as soon as I walk in, it, it, as soon as I walk in, it was almost like the hair on your arm. Just you stand straight up. I already know. I already know something's about to happen or, or something that something's there. I went to one place one time somebody asked me if I'd come down there and I did and I went down there. See the girl was scared half to death. Scared half to death. She wouldn't even stay in her own house no more. She said, "Preacher, would you come down here and uh, and bless my house?" And I was like, "Well, I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not a Catholic priest or nothing like that, but I mean, I I've had over the years lots of people have called and asked me to come in and just well, you just bless her house, you know, and just we want to dedicate our home to the Lord and all that kind of stuff. And sure, yeah, I go and do that. I go do that stuff. I've done, done it a bunch of times. But this lady, she called me and she said, "Preacher, would you come to my house?" And she says, "I got, I think I got something going on in my house." And I was like, "All right." So I go down there, and I bring another preacher with me. And so, um, so we go down there and we're just kind of talking with her, and, and uh, she tells me a little about what's going on. I walk in. I'm looking around. I don't. I can just feel something ain't right. So I. I told my preacher friend, I said, "Let's just, uh, let's just, uh, let's just leave for right now. Let's let's just pray for this whole week over this house." So we prayed the whole week just over this house. And um, well, I'll tell you this: before we before we left, we when we was in there, we did pray in the house. And um, and I remember I was standing and I was praying inside the house, and we was all we was all just standing there. And I started praying, and as soon as I started praying, man, I felt almost like a rush of wind just went right by me. Didn't see nothing, but it went by me, and it was like it was like cold, and it just sent all that hairs on my arm, both of my arms, just just stood straight up. I said, "You feel that?" And they was, like, "Oh yeah, we felt that." And I said, "I tell you what, let's just leave." I said, "Let's just pray over this house for the week," and so we did. And we came back the next. We came back the next week. And you know, when I got there. I, I got there, we went in, me and the, my preacher friend, um, local preacher, I ain't not say his name for, just for him. But we went in, and um, we prayed over this house. And the lady said, she said, you know what, she said, I haven't been here. She, she wouldn't even go back in. And um, she wanted to get all of her stuff out because she wanted to move, but she wouldn't go back in until we left. And so anyways, we go in, we pray over this house, and nothing happened. And when I went in, me and him both, we went in, everything just seemed different. Everything felt different. I think God fought the battle before we ever got there. What's interesting, though, is when we got there, when we got there, all the cabinets in the house, most of them were open. Lights was on. Light bulbs was blowed out. We had mirrors that had fallen on the floor and busted all over the place. It was crazy. And I told my pastor friend, I said, you know, I said, I wonder if God came in here while we was praying over this house the whole week, and took care of all this so before we even got here. Maybe God, maybe it was something we weren't ready for. I mean God took care of it. I don't know. But while we were there, nothing happened. But there sure was some residue of a battle that took place. I don't know. What I'm just trying to get you to see and understand tonight is that there are a lot of things that's going on out here, not ghosts, but there's a lot of things that's going on out here in the spiritual realm. The devil's real. Demons are real. And, you know, the Bible uh, tells us in the book of Job, (laughs) he he said, told the devil, have you considered my servant Job? And he says, well, you know, you build this hedge about him. He knew exactly who he was. He knew where he lived. He knew his life. He knew all about him. Though God asked him a question, where you been? And he says, walking up and down and to and fro in the earth and up and down in it. And, And so we understand that there's a spiritual realm. But you know what, despite how evil it may be, We know that we serve a God in heaven that sits on the throne who is all-powerful. Does that make sense? Even though that there is a devil that is powerful, and even though that there are demons that are powerful, we serve a God that is in heaven that is all-powerful, that is all-powerful. The Bible says He created everything, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, all things were created by Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. You know, if it wasn't for God holding this whole thing together, if it wasn't for God, if it wasn't for God holding the whole universe together, everything would just fall apart. I mean, it even... I know I know your evolutionary scientists don't want to admit it, and they don't want to talk about it, and they want to do everything they can to sidestep it, But even an evolutionary scientist, really, even though he tries to come up with all kinds of theories, and they have to use a theory because they don't have no fact. So they have to come up with any kind of theory. I mean, you can come up with all kinds of theories to try to escape the truth because you don't want to accept the truth that there's a God. But anyway, so we see that even the evolutionary scientist can come up with all different kinds of things. However, they still really can't understand how you can get so much, um, how you can get uh, so much, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, so much order in the midst of what was supposed to be a chaos. You know, many years ago, they said, well, the, the sun's 4 billion years old, or, you know, 280-some thousand years old. That's what, you go back history books a long time ago, they tell you all kinds of stuff. And the further we go along, the further we go along, they have to keep throwing in millions and billions of years to keep filling up their theories. It never stops. It never ends. I tell you what, I'm glad that the Lord Jesus just settled it all. I'm glad God just settled it all. Listen, I created all that there is. I made everything, and I made everything in six days. And I made everything in six 24-hour literal days, and on the seventh day I rested. Hey, that's pretty simple, right? He did it. I can accept that. And so that, that makes everything clear to me. But everybody else who believes in the evolutionary theory of things, they're still questioning. They're still wondering. Uh, You know, they they don't really know. And the ones that think they do know have been blinded uh, by the devil. And so we see that the Bible says that he is before all things, and by him all things consist. All things consist. We'll go one more verse. And the Bible says there in verse 18, the Bible says he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things that he might have their preeminence? Firstborn from the dead goes back to what I was telling you a little while ago. Uh, whenever he was raised, uh, whenever he was raised up on the third day, and the Bible says he is the head of the body, which is the church. The Lord Jesus is the one that is the head of this church. I'm just a number I'm just an under shepherd, but the Lord Jesus is the one that's in control. He is the one that's the head. Uh, it's not the pope. Okay. The Pope is, the Pope don't decide uh, what we can take in and what we can take out of the Bible. You know, I heard years ago the Pope got rid of hell. I'm sorry, but it still exists. It's still there. You know, you don't have to, I, I don't have to, aren't, aren't you glad that you don't have to go to the Pope and say, you know what, I've done this, I've done this, and I've done this, and, and the Pope will say, and, and and one of the, well, whoever, the priests or whatever, they'll say, well, you know, do this, and, you know, whatever act of service, whatever good work, and, and you'll be fine. Or you can pay so much or whatever, and you'll be fine. i tell you what, give, sow a seed of $1,000, and your sins will go away. Of course, you know, of course. Aren't you glad you don't have to do that? That when Jesus died on the cross, and when that veil tore in half from the, from, from, from the, from the top to the bottom, when Jesus died, it showed that every person had access to God. All of us do that every person has access to God, that we no longer have to go through anybody else, but that we can have access to God. And it tore from the top to the bottom for a purpose to show that it was a work that Jesus was doing, a work that God was doing, a work that only He could do. That's why it tore from the top to the bottom, not from the bottom up. tore from the top to the bottom. The Bible says He is the firstborn. He is the body of the church, who is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, and that in all things He might have the preeminence. Listen. If there's anything else in our life that has preeminence and it's not Jesus, then it's an idol and we need to get it out. Jesus should have the preeminence in all things, in everything that we do, in every aspect of our life. It should all be about pleasing Him. It should be about Him. All right, well, let's stop there tonight and we'll pick up back in verse 19. And so let's go to Lord in prayer tonight. Thank you so much for being here this evening. Uh, and let's pray together. Father. We Come to you tonight, we thank you once again for uh, just being such a blessing to us. Uh, Lord, I thank you for being the God that you are, and uh, Lord, I pray that you just help us all. God, we all need help. We all need strength, and uh, we all need forgiveness every day. Every day we need forgiveness. We know we fall short every day, and, and so Lord, we we pray and ask that you would uh, just cleanse our hearts, and God, that you would uh, every day uh, just let your mercies be renewed as you said in your word. and. And that Lord, you just help us to live a life that is pleasing to you. Lord, I I ask that you keep all of our people safe as we leave here tonight. Uh, Just keep your arms around everyone. Give us all a good week. And uh, bring us back to our next appointed time on Sunday. And all this we ask in Jesus' name, amen.